to you from the book of Genesis, chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Amen. Well, good morning. Sandra, thank you for reading the scripture reading. And uh, the title of today's message is, What Does God See in This Generation? The generation that you and I are in. And I also want to welcome our online audience. We have many who watch us, and our online audience has been growing week by week. And for anybody who is new out there, if you want to hear more messages like this, you can go to middletownportlandsda.org, or... Another option is you can go to my personal YouTube channel called Path of Prophecy, and I have some uh, messages that are uh, being shared over there, and uh, they're being viewed apparently all over the world. I had some results. People came and were viewing them over in Morocco even, and Turkey as well, so very grateful for that. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, I want to thank you that we have your word, and your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be with us. And as we open your word, I pray that our hearts would be open to you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to turn my on over here, a joy just to let you know. So the t today's message is titled, What Does God See in This Generation? And I ask that question because Really, every generation gets labeled. For example, several years ago, there was a book here in the United States that was written and published uh, by Tom Brokaw. He used to host the NBC Evening News, and he wrote a book called The Greatest Generation. And that particular book was a focus on a generation of people, particularly born here in America, between probably about the year 1915 to 1925, 1926, right around in that age category. And these were the individuals, the men and women, who went off, they grew up during the Depression here in America, a time in American history where the economy had kind of imploded and uh, it was a very challenging time for people. But then World War II started and these were the men and women who went off to fight in that great war and defeat the Axis powers of Japan, Italy, and, and Germany. And then from there, that generation helped to build America into a world leader. So they were labeled the greatest generation. But really, every generation gets some sort of a label as to how they would be identified by historians down the road in the years to come. And really, it's no different because in the time of Noah, Noah's uh, generation was known for one thing and one thing only, very sadly, but Noah's generation was known for their great wickedness, okay? Uh, Noah lived in a time in which the world was very, very wicked, and um, as a result of it, God pronounced his judgment upon that generation. And we know this because this is what the Bible says. I'm going to share some Bible verses here. This is Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent 
of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So that was a very tragic time in world history because the human race that had been made in the image of God was now reflecting only evil continually. Instead of reflecting the character of God, God is love, God is merciful, but they reflected a God who was uh, a different God, really, uh, the false gods, the idols that they worshipped, and uh, only evil was in man's heart continually. Here's another passage from also from Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, and it says this, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. A very sad time in world history. And Jesus makes a comment about this time in earth's history, but he does, uh, he makes this observation and shares what part of the problems were. And it says this, Matthew chapter 28, 24, verse 38, for as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So it was a very intemperate time. It was a time when families were breaking down. Uh, so husbands and wives were divorcing each other. We think that's new to our age, but it's really not. It's, it's, uh, people were taking multiple wives, etc., etc. And so the idea is, what did God see in this generation? Well, he didn't see much good, okay? But every generation has a reputation. Noah's generation had their reputation that they had earned. Uh, Tom Brokaw wrote about the greatest generation. And our generation as well is earning itself a reputation. The question is, what is that reputation like? Well, in Noah's day, uh, people communicated through their various means. And uh, the way we have that written record is because man was able to learn how to write. In fact, we have this particular record in the book of Exodus, where Moses was instructed by God to write things down as to what took place in the history of Israel. We see this in Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. This was an instance where the children of Israel had been leaving Egypt. They had left Egypt and left slavery. But then Amalek began attacking, and they attacked uh, the, the actually the weak part of that whole train of people that were going through. They attacked those who were walking slowly, the elderly, and those young families with infants. And so they began attacking them, and God had uh, Moses direct his armed forces to defend them. But the point is, is that Moses was instructed to write down this history of what took place so that future generations could learn from it. Well, Moses used the media of his day, which was writing. But writing now takes many forms because we write and then we communicate using a lot of different media platforms, such as television, 
radio, movies, and now this thing called social media. Anybody ever heard of social media? Some of us wish we never heard of social media because it just engulfs our lives. But here's the thing is that what does uh, social media, what, what do these uh, platforms teach us? Well, they project to us pretty much anything they want, okay? Anything that they want, uh, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a movie, whether it's a concert, or whether it's television, whether it's sitcom news, we get we can get anything that we want, really, through the media of our time and day. Back in Moses' day, they only had writing, but now there are so many more platforms. And so what do we get, typically? Well, we get our news. I have on the screen before you some screenshots. That's You can see the CNN logo right there. Over here is ESPN, and then, of course, the New York Times. So we get the, the world news, we get sports, entertainment, whatever it is. But is there more? Well, there's this other stuff, like I said. Social media, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. And with this, now it's uh, anybody can talk about anything that they want, okay? It's no longer just your major news stations, but anybody can report on what's going on, whether good or bad, but that is what we're faced with. But then there's this other phenomenon that's taking place with the use of social media and the technology, and that is self. Self is exalted, okay? Self is exalted. And why do we do this? Well, it's because we have the ability to do this. And we do it because this is how we want to see ourselves. But ultimately, here's what needs to happen. We have to give pause and consider for a moment how God sees this generation. Does that make sense? Because God looked at Noah's generation and saw things, but we have gotten to a point where we are forgetting about God and we're only thinking of ourselves. But we have to stop and say, how is God seeing this generation? And I want to share a Bible passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through 5. This is the New Testament, and this is how the Apostle Paul described the last days, the days before the coming of Jesus and His return. He says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, uh, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Okay? That, that last part of the verse is very sobering because it will be a people who will profess religion, but they will deny the power of God to help them live their lives. So, if this is a, an accurate description of the last generation, uh, we really need to give pause because we're actually no better 
than Noah's generation. We can't look at ourselves and say, well, those folks were wicked and they deserve that judgment, but we're so good. No, if this is how the Bible is portraying what the last generation will look like, then it's very sobering. And the question that begs to be asked is, how do we escape the wickedness of this generation? How will we escape? How will we flee from the wickedness of this generation? Well, when we go back to Genesis, to the first book of the Bible, we discover that there's a reason that that generation receives that label just before the flood and that we call them Noah's generation, okay? It's not because Noah fathered all of these people, okay? But it's because while God saw the wickedness of Noah's day, God also saw something else. What did he see? Well, in our Bibles, we can turn to Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. And here's what it says. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, while God saw all the wickedness of the earth, that men's hearts were only evil continually, he also saw something else. God saw that Noah was looking for something better in his generation. And I'd like for you to consider this. I'll give you a little homework assignment. Anybody like homework? Yeah, some people like homework. Here's a homework assignment. Now I know today's a beautiful day and the sun is out and I want you to get out there and enjoy the sunlight and get vitamin D and get fresh air and just walk hand in hand with your spouse and all these wonderful things. But also, I want to encourage you to take time to go to the Bible, in particular, and read Genesis chapter 5. And in Genesis chapter 5, it gives a genealogy of all the patriarchs, from Adam to Seth, all the way down to Noah. And there's something very interesting <clears throat> that takes place. It not only gives the age that they lived to, but it also tells at what age they were when they fathered their child. Now, they had multiple children, but apparently it's, it gives when they gave their, uh, fathered their first son, okay? And so here's the interesting thing. The patriarchs, we know, lived hundreds of years, okay? Uh, Methuselah, being the oldest, lived almost, almost a thousand years. 969 years. And we can't really comprehend that in this age. And there's reasons to believe why they lived that long, because they were healthier, they were stronger at that time. They were fresh. Adam was fresh from the Creator's hand, and he had so much living force within him that uh, he was able to live that long. But in our day and age, we're lucky if we live 70 years, let alone uh, you know, 90 years or, or around that ballpark. But here's the interesting thing about this generation, is that many of them, there's a few that had their children within the first hundred years of which they lived. Enoch was an exception. He had, uh, there were some that 
before they hit their 200th year, they had their child. But then there was uh, Enoch, and of course Enoch never saw death, but he had a child, his first child, when he was 300 years old. And I'd like to consider that for Noah, Noah didn't father his three sons until he was 500 years old. So what created this gap? I'd like to think that the world was so wicked at that time that Noah was wondering, how am I going to raise a child in this generation? But here's the good news. And I say this for you young fathers and mothers, okay? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when he found that grace, he was able to rest assured that even amidst this wickedness, God was with him. So for as young parents, okay, for Day and your wife, you just had a child in September, okay? You're wondering, how am I going to raise this child? Raising them in the fear of the Lord. Raising them with a knowledge of God. Providing that safe environment for husbands and wives to love each other. And it can be challenging, right? As husbands and wives, we don't always agree. One likes crunchy peanut butter and the other one likes smooth peanut butter. Okay? And I'm just putting things in perspective. That's, uh, you know, just uh, putting it mildly, so to speak. But the idea is that marriages can come under stress, right? We can come under stress. How do our marriages survive for the sake of that little family that we have, right? Especially when the world is harsh, we want to create a sweet home, a sweet home environment. Well, the good news is that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, okay? Grace, he found grace, okay? And here's what God did for Noah in that generation. He gave him this instruction. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then he provided this instruction. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And then he continued to give instructions. And I don't have... I'm not going to go into all those details, okay? But here's the issue. <clears throat> Noah was searching for answers for how to live in his generation. He had heard about Enoch. He had heard about these patriarchs, okay? And they were able to pass down this information as to how sin entered the human experience, okay? But what Noah sought after he found what God made available to him, and that was grace. Noah responded to the grace that God afforded him. And God then chose to work through Noah to save the entire human race from destruction. Okay? All of us. All of us. And I don't know how this could be done genetically and scientifically, but I believe the Bible as the Word of God, and so I believe that we would, through the science that we have, and maybe we don't have the science available to us yet, but we should be able to trace our genealogy 
and our genetic record all the way back to these eight people who got on the ark. Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives. So we're all, even though we may live on all parts of the earth, we are all family because we all come from that same patriarchal, patriarchal family. Okay. Now here's what God said to Noah after Noah became obedient to those instructions. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So Noah's generation, we call it Noah's generation, not because he fathered that generation, but rather because Noah stands out as the only righteous one amidst that generation. Okay? Noah did what God called him to do. And in doing so, God acknowledged Noah's character. Now, I'd like to share this. This is from a book called Patriarchs and Prophets, and it comes from page 96. And I'm going to have to put on my glasses. I'll have it on the screen here for you. But listen to this quote. Talking about Noah's character as he was preparing for the flood. It says, but Noah stood, that's supposed to be stood, I didn't, I didn't edit that correctly. Noah stood like a rock amidst the tempest. Surrounded by popular contempt and ridicule, he distinguished himself by his holy integrity and unwavering faithfulness. A power attended his words, for it was the voice of God to man through his servant. Connection with God made him strong in the strength of infinite power. While for 120 years his solemn voice fell upon the ears of that generation in regard to events which so far as human wisdom could judge were impossible. <clears throat> Simply meaning is that when Noah <clears throat> gave the warning to repent, otherwise God would have to destroy the earth with a flood, the people ridiculed him. They mocked him. And to an ordinary person, to a, a, a person who has no connection with God, what, how would they face that ridicule? How would they face that mocking? Well, sometimes what, what do we do? We get embarrassed, and we don't stand up for our faith, and we don't uh, stand strong in our convictions. But Noah was different because he had a connection with God. He spent time with God in prayer, and he uh, lived his life in faith. And so even though he faced ridicule, even though people mocked him, because he said the Lord is going to send a flood. And up to that time, the Bible says that it had never rained before. Okay? It had never rained before. So the scientists of his day were saying, you're a crazy man. You don't know what you're talking about. Because what, from what we can judge, the great philosophy that we hold to and the science that we understand, <clears throat> that's impossible. It can't happen. And so they mocked him and they ridiculed him. But yet Noah persisted because he knew what God had called him to do in that generation. So, here's the question for us. 
That's what God saw in Noah's generation. He saw a man who was righteous and who was convicted and who stood for God. Okay? Here's the question, though. What does God see in our generation? I believe that God wants to raise up a people in our day that will stand out against the wickedness of our day and share the message of God's salvation to the world. Now, how will this be done? Well, what God made available to save Noah in his day is the same as to what God has made available to save the people of this generation, and that is God's grace. Listen to this, John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. Literally, in the original language, it means grace upon grace. So, when we, when we need grace from God, He gives us His grace. But we find out we need more. And so what does God do? Does He say, well, I'm all sold out. I have no more grace. I gave you enough for today. No. What God does is He says, I have more grace. So if you get into an argument with your spouse at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and forgive one another and you ask God for help, say, Lord, help me to be patient with my spouse or whatever the case is, with my child, whatever the case is. And then at 7.30, you lose your patience again. Guess what? There's more grace. God gives more grace so that you can be the family that God has called you to be in this time, in this generation. And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In other words, God gave Moses the law, the teaching of what we were to do, but Jesus has showed us how to live that law, how to be merciful, how to be kind and gracious, how to be loving. And how is this amazing grace made available? Well, it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, God made His promise to the human race, I will save you, I will deliver you. The beauty of God's power is such that there came a point in time in Earth's history where the Word, what God had spoken, literally became flesh. Okay? Literally became flesh. Listen, the grace of God is made available through His Word, through the promises that are in here. The reason the Bible is so crucial to our growth is because the Bible reveals the story of the living Word, Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this. I'm going to close on this verse. This verse is from the last book of the Bible, known as the book of Revelation. Some people call it the Apocalypse because of the first word, in, uh, which is what the word Revelation means. The translated means a revelation. Okay? <clears throat> and here's what the Bible says 
about the remnant, okay, the last generation of people just before Jesus returns, okay? It says this, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The dragon is a symbol for Satan, the devil, and the woman represents God's people, God's people who are striving to be faithful to God in a wicked generation, okay? But there is a, uh, this is how we will be able to withstand the wickedness of this age and against the onslaught and the persecution of the dragon, and that is God will give us a testimony, a testimony about Jesus. And that testimony of our experience with God will give us the strength to resist the dragon in our generation and to share the message of hope and salvation to a lost generation of people. My question is, would you like to be part of that generation that receives God's grace to accomplish this great work. That's my decision. Is that your decision as well? Let me see your hands if that's your decision. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you that we have your word to show us where we are in earth's history. We are at a point in time where the dragon is enraged with a woman, and he has sought to make war against the remnant of her seed. But you have instructed us to be faithful, to stand on your commandments. And through that experience, you will give us grace that will reveal your word in our lives. And therefore, we will be able to give a testimony of Jesus. Father, bless us. Help us to be faithful to you, just as Noah was faithful in his generation. We thank you for hearing and answering this prayer and blessing everybody here who is seeking that grace that you so freely offer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.